welcome back to Grit I Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, the disciple, Brett Colson and Donnie D.P. Peters. Mo is in boar, attempting to avoid that wild pack of dogs that challenged him on his first day in the Czech Republic, but it's a DFS Thursday. We are here to get you ready for your DraftKings lineups, your season-long ventures, and any other tidbits that might help you in the gambling and or fantasy world. Another short slate this week, six teams on by. We don't have the London game this week, so only three island games with Thursday night football, Sunday night football, and Monday night football, so at least we get an extra game on the main slate on Sunday, but still a lot of maneuvering to do with only a few games during that main 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. two-game slate. Gentlemen, everything good? World Series is over. Brett, I believe when Mo tried to sell a Dodgers bet, or he basically wanted to gain some confidence in a Dodgers wager, you told him that the Astros were the way to go. Did I get that correct? Yeah, I thought this, this is a team that I wanted to bet way back in like June uh to win the world series but the price was so bad they were so good back then that i just i couldn't pull the trigger i wish i had now obviously i should have pulled the trigger i guess a month ago when some of these other teams were gaining ground but yeah this that team is just so balanced so strong at every position that i was really happy to see them win i i feel for the people that maybe grabbed the dodgers ticket during their 20 game skid at the end of the season there, they might have gotten a pinch of value there during that stretch. But uh, nonetheless, Game 7 goes to the Astros. Uh, Donnie, you were watching, what was it, Lakers-Pistons was on two nights ago? Oh, that was two nights ago during Game 6. Was there any random NBA option that you deferred to instead of bases? Yeah, Mavericks-Clippers last night. There you go. Come on, man. Dennis Smith. Whoa, whoa. I got fantasy implications, man, and it's just a ton of fun. But you were you were sweating the Dodgers a little bit. You you got a little. I pe- listen. I'm a sports nerd at heart. I will flip back and forth between anything that's on TV. Um, just you know, even when I flipped to the to the baseball game last night, my girlfriend asked me, "What are you doing? You don't you don't like baseball?" And I said, "I know, but I just I kind of like to just stay in the know with what's going on in the sports world. If anything, just for that water cooler talk at work, you know, just That's walk right. up there and somebody says, "Hey, did you see the game last night?" And I just have some hint of knowledge, so I sound like I know what I'm doing. Yeah, you go. Yeah, I can't believe Dirk Nowitzki still has it. I mean, yeah, but he's they got blown out, so he sat down at the end. But he still, but he almost put up a double double. But he have thirteen and eight, so. Love, love me some Dirk. Legend. Yeah. I have a lot of uh, takes when it comes to puck ball, hockey, and baseball, but I still love those sports. I just, there's a part of me that I don't get to watch it as much as other people, so I don't, I don't have as much information and I'm not as smart as on the sport. So I have, I just deflect by making fun of the sport instead of copping to it. But do I wish I could watch every Mets game and Rangers game? Like some, someone could matrix stick a wire into the back of my head and I could consume the game in like 10 minutes. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could, but you know, life, life gets in the way. So unfortunately, I feel like the NBA is a mesh of both of those two sports. And I don't understand why people who like those two sports don't like the NBA. It has the analytic side with tons of stats involved in the NBA, but then it has the action of fast place play in a small confined area of hockey. Yeah, but there's just the little intricacies of hockey and baseball that will never be met by basketball it's just a different strokes for different folks kind of thing uh but you were flipping back you did watch some of the Dodgers game you tried to get 15 pizzas from Mo and I we gave you 15 to 1 in the eighth inning in the top of the eighth inning that you wanted Dodgers live bet we gave it to you and I I chopped into my pizza total against you thanks to President Trump. So we got that down to eight pizzas that I owe DP. But speaking of pizzas, Donnie, we talked about how you consumed an entire large pie on Tuesday. That got you five tickets into the DraftKings Millie Maker, and our fans are going to have a chance to sweat along with you. How are they going to do that, though, DP? Yeah, I got I got five tickets. Hopefully, uh, I we go on to win a million dollars. That would be amazing. Uh, I would then proceed to quit my job the next day. Um, 
but uh, yeah, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play one entry over the next five weeks, so every Sunday. Um, and I'm going to give the fans of this very podcast a chance to win shares of my action. And hopefully um, between the the collective minds that we have here on the show, we're able to put together a winning lineup and win everyone some money. Um, so what we're going to have people do is we want people to tell other people on social media about the podcast. So whether it's Facebook, whether it is Twitter, you guys have to share um, in some way, shape or form. Uh, you have to at mention Gridiron Gamble, um, which is on Twitter, just at Gridiron Gamble. Uh, on Facebook, you can find our Facebook page. It's, it's just at Gridiron Gamble and, you know, click the button and add us there. You have to use hashtag Donnie's Pizza Party. And then you have to link to either our general SoundCloud page. You can link to our general iTunes page for all I care. Or you can link to a specific episode on SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you can link to. Um, we wanted to just, you know, push people to the podcast. So do that. Do it on social media. Tell people to check out our show. And then I will be giving out uh, up to 50% um, in terms of total shares. I will be giving it out in 2% chunks. Um, if there's more than 25 people that do it, um, we'll have some sort of drawing or fun way to, to to pick people out. Maybe, you know, if it's 26 or 27, a little bit over the 25, I'll just give it out anyway. Um, if there's less, everyone that does it is just going to get a 2% share uh, no matter what. Um, so, yeah, have at it. It's free money, guys. I mean, you can't really complain about free money and a chance to win, um, hopefully, a part of a million dollars. So, at Gridiron Gamble needs to be in there. Hashtag Donnie's Pizza Party. And then a link to something Gridiron Gamble related, whether it be the SoundCloud page, the iTunes page, Stitcher, gridirongamble.com, any of that. So I just typed it all, those three requirements, a link, the Twitter handle, and a hashtag, and it gives you guys 82 characters to be creative. So plenty of room to uh, put some fun stuff in there and hopefully direct your friends to our podcast because your love and your support drives this whole damn thing. Let's turn our attention to... I can't believe I'm saying this. This is week nine of the NFL season. Almost half over with the regular season. And the first thing we do when we look at the DraftKings slate is we get the implied team totals for the week, which is essentially the Vegas total. And then they use the point spread to figure out what the projected amount of points each team is going to score. We give you the teams with the highest implied team total and maybe that'll pique your interest into hmm x team is going to score so many points maybe i should roster some of their players all that to show you that the top three uh are all very high powered offenses currently in the nfl none higher perhaps than the houston texans with deshaun watson their implied team total is 31.25 they're big home favorites against the Indianapolis Colts. Drew Brees and the Saints are touchdown favorites at home against their division rivals, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they have an implied team total of 28.5 points. And then on the late slates, we've got a pair of teams that are tied with one another. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. The, the time zones here are screwed up. These look to be on the main slates, actually. Uh, we've got... Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys and Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, they have an implied team total of 26. They're playing against the Kansas City Chiefs and the Washington racial slurs, respectively. The Cowboys are currently slight home dogs against Kansas City, and the Seahawks are big favorites against Washington. Brett, we'll turn to you first. We'll let you lead us off with some stacks. What do you got here for week nine? Yeah, I'm looking at the the home dogs you just mentioned. I Everything lines up for a Dak, Dez, Cowboys stack for me this week. The Cowboys coming off their worst game of the season in terms of passing volume and production. Dak only had 143 yards, no scores last week in Washington. But that was in lousy weather conditions and in positive game flow. We saw Zeke run the ball 33 times last week that's obviously not going to happen here in week nine because he won't be on the field great spot for a bounce back this week for Dak at home against the Chiefs secondary we love to pick on 
And Dak's price dropped $600 from where it was last week. He's only $6,700 this week. I think he's almost a must in cash games at that price tag. Last week was the first time he failed to reach 17 fantasy points this season. And I like the ceiling now that he and Dez should see an uptick in red zone usage with Zeke no longer on the field. And and Dez at his lowest salary of the season at 6,400. Dallas should be lining him up on the opposite opposite side of the field of Marcus Peters in this game. So I love the matchups he gets against whoever the Chiefs run at quarterback this week. Mitchell and Gaines, two guys we've picked on all season. They were benched last week, so it could be Steven Nelson this week. It could be Kenneth Acker playing uh, opposite Dez. They're going to struggle no matter who they they match up against Des Bryant this week. And uh, I like a game stack here, too. The total is 51. I think that's low. I'm expecting a shootout, so I'll be working in some Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill into stacks with Dak and Dez this week. Uh, there are ways to save salary at other positions, which we'll get into. So I don't mind paying up to scoop all of the market share in this Dallas KC game. Is this a pivot away from Dallas's running game as well? I, I think people are going to get cute this week, and correct me if I'm wrong, with the situation there because they're getting a little bit of a discount on whomever they roster, whether it be McFadden or Morris, and they can take a few lottery tickets on them. And I feel like that's going to be the more popular route to take to get ownership in Dallas as opposed to the passing game. So is that part of your analysis as well, Brett? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, there's, there's there's a lot of value at several positions or at several places at running back this week. I mean, you've got the situation in Miami too with Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams. Both those guys are super cheap too. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of people will be looking to save salary at, at, in that Dallas running game situation. And, you know, Des and Dak coming off that poor game aren't going to have high order ownership either. So uh, a lot to like about this situation in, with the Dallas passing game. Most certainly rolling in his grave at any tout for Dak Prescott. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's hard for me too, but you, yeah, you're you can't ignore guy. the the consistent production he's had. And now that Zeke is no longer an option in that backfield, I mean, he has he has to be the top play of the week for me. DP, what you got for stacks? So I, I admittedly struggled this week a bit trying to find some stacks, uh, mostly because I was worried about being too chalky. Um, I, I I did look at like the the. Dak and Dez stack. Um, I'm just a little bit worried it's going to be too chalky. But if Brett's over there touting it, it gives me my confidence back again. Um, Want to like the whole Drew Brees and Saints passing offense, but I think that's going to be way too uh, chalky. But I'll get into some of those players a little bit later. So I took a page out of your book, Rich. Went a little bit weird. And I think I'm going to go with the Colts passing attack here. Uh, Super cheap players, Jacoby Brissett, 5,200, T.Y. Hilton, 4,900, and Jack Doyle, who Jacoby Brissett seems to absolutely love at 4,300. Uh, so this game, you got the third highest total of the week here with the Colts, uh, likely in negative game script. I mean, they're, what are they in the Super Contest? 13-point underdogs against, against the Texans. Um, you know, it's not an enormously great spot, but I think the, the factor of the, the prices and things being really cheap for, for these players, um, also the fact that they won't be nearly as chalky as a lot of the other bigger options, um, you can really pay up for some positions elsewhere. Uh, you know, and I think in terms of T.Y. Hilton, uh, I also like him as a wide receiver. I mean, we'll get him more into that later, but I don't think anyone's going to be clicking that guy. I mean, could there be a stock be lower? Was he had four, five weeks, three weeks? I don't remember of, of five points or less. Um, he just looks really bad uh, and you know houston's passing defense they're average i mean they're not amazing and you know jacoby's looked pretty good under center all year um both throwing the ball and then he can get out and run if he needs to um you know and then if you really want to i think you can sprinkle in a little bit of marlon mack or frank gore into some of these stacks uh, just because both of them do catch balls out of the backfield and on dk when you're getting that uh, that ppr um i think it's a good spot especially in a negative game script if you know the the Texans are sitting back in a, in a deep zone, a safety prevent type of thing. Um, and you just got to look for Mack and Gore to get some chunk plays over the middle um, as the, the Colts try and move the ball being down so much. Houston 14th and pass defense DVOA. And that, of course, bakes in several games on the front end with Merciless and J.J. Watt, who, are, who they are now without. And they were absolutely torched by a Seahawks offense that could not get out of their own way couldn't stop themselves from tripping over untied cleats during the first quarter, even the first half of the season. 
So could be a little bit of the Hawks bouncing back after a bye, getting their shit together. Seems like the thing that they do every year, slow start, and then they hit a peak and start rolling. But it also has to do with that Texas defense just being absolutely horrific. I mean, Jimmy Graham can't move. Looks like he's running in molasses, quicksand grabbing at his feet. And he was able to get open over the middle and scamper for two big touchdowns against them. So I think it's a good spot to get some Colts exposure in a game where they could need, like Donnie said, need to come back faced with some negative script and uh, could be some big numbers for those guys. You talk about getting weird. I wanted to get real weird this week. Like the weirdest. Guys, I I wanted to click Trevor Simeon, but they took him away. They took Trevor. I can't put Brock Osweiler in the lineup, right? I can't do that, right? I can't. I can't with good conscience click on Brock Osweiler, right? Uh, in a in a qualifier where they only pay out one <laughs> spot, maybe fire Osweiler with the hopes that he just throws five touchdowns. Can't do it. Why? Why? Why Simeon though? That dude looks horrendous. Well, I I think he's better than Osweiler, and. I still don't believe in this Philadelphia secondary. No, I, I agree with you there. But, man. Manny coming back to Demarius has been playing well below expectation. I don't know. Feel, felt like a good spot to to get a 300-yard passer and hopefully get Manny and DT with a triple stack and get weird. But, alas, doesn't look like we're going to be able to do that. So I'm going to pivot to Matthew Stafford, who had bazooka yards. It was unbelievably the second time in his career that he's thrown for 400 yards and not thrown for a touchdown. I think the list has six or seven occurrences on it, and two of them are from Matthew Stafford. Uh, They had plenty of opportunities to score last week. It, It reminded me of the Calvin Johnson season all over again where they're getting all these yards and they're super efficient, but just this red zone variance, they catch the ball outside of the end zone and don't cross the plane as opposed to catching it in the end zone. So I I think the yardage is going to be there. I'm a tiny bit worried about Green Bay coming off of a bye, but their defense doesn't inspire much faith. And Golden Tate, despite having the uh, the AC joint, the shoulder sprain, he looked great, save for that weird loom fumble. Uh, he looked just fine. So I, I like a Stafford-Tate stack. But I do prefer uh, the two stacks that Brett and Donnie offered over Stafford. Let's get to some standalone QBs. Are there any guys you're going to roll out on their own DP? Um, so I hinted at it a little bit. Uh, I think you have to have a little bit of exposure to the chalkier plays this week, but I would choose to not get totally chalky and just have them naked just in case they go off i'm speaking to drew Brees at 7000 and also deshaun watson at 8100 i mean it's kind of crazy to think that deshaun watson as a rookie quarterback is the highest priced quarterback of the week in daily fantasy sports but hey i mean the guy's been lighting it up and putting up a shit ton of points every single week so i will have a tiny bit of exposure to these two guys Um, i wouldn't go too much into them uh in terms of exposure just because i think that everyone and their mother is going to have them uh pivoting off that i I like jared goff this week 5500 um he's going coming off the bye week going over to to new york to play the giants um i mean i just this offense they just they throw it everywhere um they even throw it to todd Gurley, which is something i don't think many of us thought that we would see in this lifetime um but with that new coach uh it's just things are things are moving all over the field the Giants' defense is—it's all right. I mean, you know, we we've liked it on this podcast, but they haven't really met the expectation that we've had of them. Uh, and I like Jared Goff to just kind of sling it everywhere. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm going to stack anyone, uh, it would be with Tyler Higby. But we'll talk about that a little later. Yeah, Giants' pass defense, twenty second in DVOA, which is a surprise to me especially I you guys know I love this defense last year and they didn't really lose much or change much entering into the season but they have not performed up to snuff Brett your turn what standalone quarterbacks are you clicking on this weekend well Jameis Winston is way too cheap on DraftKings this week he's 5700 that's that's absurd given his ceiling in a game on turf 
in negative game script against the Saints. Like he's going to come out slinging in this game. And we've already seen several times this season when Jameis is playing from behind, as he was against Buffalo and the Giants, he went off in those games, 300 plus yards and three touchdowns in both those contests. And even though the matchup isn't great here for these wide receivers, uh, the volume is going to be there for Mike Evans and Deshaun, and Deshaun Jackson. Uh, so while I, I don't mind a Jameis Winston uh, naked, especially in cash games, if you want to stack Jameis with Evans in a GPP, I can certainly get behind that uh, because, I mean, Evans could see 15 targets in this game. And even though, you know, he's probably going to see a lot of Lattimore, which is not ideal, I think Evans is, is matchup proof as it gets in the NFL. So I think uh, even though Evans, I don't know, Fantasy Labs has Evans at like 20% ownership. I don't think it's going to be that high in this matchup. So I think that's probably what scared me off a stack with Evans. But if you're going to play Jameis in the GPP, I think you have to stack him with Mike Evans. Yeah. So don't people, you're not worried about head scratchers? Don't people hate? I think the head scratcher just actually helps because that means no yeah, one's going to be throwing more. Yeah, and nobody... I wanted to pick Winston as well, and then I looked at Winston's stats against the Saints, and they weren't good at all. Interesting. I mean, he averages like 225 yards, and in his four games, he's thrown four touchdowns and two interceptions. So I was like, eh, this seems like he, someone like Jameis, who has a lot of weapons and a big arm, should you know, and the Saints at least the past two years they've gotten better this year in terms of their defense. I feel like he would put up better stats, but I was a little bit surprised, so it caused me to pivot off. But again, if Brett's buying in, I mean, I think I'm gonna have to buy in. And don't people hate Evans right now? Like all these people that took him in the end of the first, second round in in season long, they just hate Mike Evans for underperforming. Seems like a good spot, and it seems like it. Mike Evans at any point could go for 150 and two touchdowns. So I love grabbing him at reduced ownership. I am scared. And this is probably why it's a good value. I am scared of that Saints defense. though. I I was not joking when I thought that this team may be the best in the league, not out of the realm of possibility, but that's why he's good in GPP. Cause that means we're gambling and we're going to have low ownership and high upside. Yeah. I mean, his ownership hasn't hit, higher than 11% since week one. So, yeah, people do hate Mike Evans right now, and I'm, I don't think they're going to pay up for him in this spot. All right. Let's get on to – I don't have any standalones. I would Maybe Jacoby, but I'd prefer to just fire T.Y. Hilton because he's he's free. <laughs> yeah. He's free. So, yeah, if you're going to play – Go ahead. I, I like Jacoby too, and the thing with him is, as Donnie said, he loves Jack Doyle. Doyle yeah. has 43 targets in the last four games. That's insane. <laughs> and Jack Doyle's terrible. Yeah, he is horrifying at, at football. Running backs, you said this is where you were going to the bargain bin, Brett. This is where you were going to save some salary. Who you got at running back? Yeah, I'm staying with this Colts-Texans game. I like both. Of, well, I shouldn't say both. I like two running backs here. The Colts use uh, a few running ah, backs. The no, first is no Gore. The, the, you were gonna it sounded like Gore Miller there, but no, no. <laughs> I love Marlon Mack. He is way too cheap right now. Forty one hundred. His price in week two was thirty eight hundred against Arizona. Seven weeks later, it's only three hundred dollars more, despite having a much bigger role in the offense. And in this matchup against Houston, where he should be on the field a lot in passing situations. Mac only 11 snaps in week two. He had a season-high 39 last week against the Bengals. Now is the time to load up on this kid before it's too late. I think he's viable in cash. I think the volume is going to be there, both in the passing game and the running game for him. And I love him in GPPs this week because he does save you that salary, allowing you to pay up at other positions. And on the other side of the ball, this is a dream spot for Lamar Miller. Another guy who's playable in cash and GPPs this week. The Texans are 13-point favorites with an implied total of 30.5. Almost all of my Texans shares are going to be on Miller this week with the hopes that the highly owned Watson and company don't go off. That is a risky play, but one that I think could pay off if uh, the Colts can can hold this Texans passing game down. I don't, I don't really see Watson, especially now that Dwayne Brown is gone again. I don't think Watson's gonna to reach. They're gonna be able to reach value uh, at his high price tag this week. So I really like both running backs in that game. And then pivoting over to the 49ers, 
I'm all over Carlos Hyde again this week. I like having exposure to players facing Arizona, uh, a defense that bottles up receivers, whatever receiver Patrick Peterson is on all game. So uh, Hyde is going to be the guy for me, uh, the guy for me this week. Outside of Pat Pete, this uh, this Arizona defense very average, and with Drew Stanton now under center for the Cardinals, this is a game the 49ers could win at home, which could lead to a lot of touches for Hyde on the ground, something we have not seen a lot of this season. So Hyde, playable in all formats for me this week, uh, but he's probably my favorite running back in GPPs. Of course, we've got C.J. Beathard at the helm post-Hoyer trade, so that is solidified. And you've got Arizona coming off of the bye to San Francisco, and they are 20th in defense DVOA, nothing to be too afraid about. In that game in NorCal, DP, who do you have at the running back position this week? Carlos Hyde was my number one play at 5,200 uh, for all the reasons that that Brett mentioned. I, I also just don't really understand why the DraftKings pricing systems just hates Carlos Hyde. I think that this guy is great. Um, I talked about it several weeks ago on this podcast. Uh, I just don't think, you know, I think he deserves to be worth more than 5,200. Um, but yeah, love Carlos Hyde. Uh, I like uh, Joe Mixon this week at 5,100. Uh, Jaguars are dead last in rush defense DVOA. I don't think that Andy Dalton going to Jacksonville against that pass defense is going to amount to anything. Um, so I'm going to gamble on Joe Mixon here. I mean, obviously, there's he's a headache. He's a, he's a, a mental case, and you're going to assume that risk, but you need to have risk in GPPs. Um, and so I'm going to be looking to Mixon uh, at 5,100. Uh, also, like Todd Gurley, 8,100, uh, just given the way that he's utilized everywhere in this offense. Um, and, you know, talking about earlier when I was talking about paying up for some positions uh, after the the Colts passing attack stack, um, you know, that's where I'm going to be able to do it here with Todd Gurley, 8,100. And then lastly, uh, Rich, your boy, Jonathan Stewart this week. Can we can we get a little Jay Stew in there, 3,500? So my thinking is that after trading Kelvin Benjamin, the Panthers should just make Christian McCaffrey a wide receiver for all intents and purposes, right? Just use him like Duke Johnson's used in Cleveland. And Jay Stu can run. He's basically free at 3,500, and he's the goal line back. So give me some Jay Stu this week. 3,500? Yeah, that's correct. Is that a typo? I mean, that, that seems insane, right? I <laughs> double-checked it. That's insanity. Uh, I think we'll see Curtis Samuel get some more love in the wake of the Kelvin Benjamin trade, but 3,500 seems insane for for Jonathan Stewart. He he is the goal line back in Carolina. I, I, I don't think his upside is crazy. It's never going to be, but two touchdowns, you know, if he crushes value, if he gets the two touchdowns. So you don't no. need... <laughs> no. The guy hasn't hit double-digit fantasy points on DraftKings since week one. He's doing perfect. That. We're buying low. <laughs> yeah. uh, have I, fun. Have fun with that one. Yeah. Come on, you talk about buying low on all these other players, then we get the J Stu, and you're like, hell no. Because get some of, of here, these man. other players that actually have a ceiling. Yeah, J Stu's ceiling hey, is man. like a tall ranch. Like, <laughs> he's thirty-five hundred. There's a reason for that. You don't even need him to hit a hit, hit a lot of value. I I am with you on Mixon. I'm back on the Mixon train. His stat line last week is bizarre. 11 carries for 18 yards, but he did get 91 yards in the air on three catches. As you said, the Jaguars 32nd against the run, and if the Bengals have any prayer in this game, they're going to have to keep the game on the ground because that Jacksonville secondary is... A problem. And another thing to note, we talked about playing time with Mixon. He was on the field for 62% of the offensive snaps last week, which is always a good sign. So Mixon was a big disappointment last week, but I think he has a good opportunity against Jacksonville this week as they hopefully try to clamp down on the pass and the Bengals get some action on the ground. We talked about the Bucks Saints earlier, and I think you have to take a flyer on Doug Martin. He's been a massive disappointment since returning from the suspension. He has not topped 75 yards on the ground in a game. But if the Saints have a weakness, like the Jaguars, it's defending 
the run. Doug Martin's only 5,800. And if you're worried about the Bucks playing a negative script and them having a pass catching back on the field, don't worry. They trailed the entire game last week against Carolina, and Doug Martin was on the field for 60% of the offensive snaps. Uh, so I think Doug Martin will be on the field regardless of game flow against New Orleans. And if they have any leak, much like the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's defending the run. So I think at, at his price, and let's be honest, I think Doug Martin still has a massive ceiling. Uh, I think he's due for, for a big game after being such a disappointment. It's almost like he's gotten his preseason out of the way. He's gotten his four games to get his legs right, to get into football shape, and now hopefully he can explode on Sunday against the Saints. Yeah, he looks fresh. I like this call a lot, and nobody plays Doug Martin because he's he's just not sexy. You know, he has his ownership hasn't been any higher than five percent in the Millie Maker this season, and he does get the the plus matchup this week against the Saints run defense that we have talked about in the past. They are not good. Teach me how to Dougie. So Doug Martin is my my favorite play, but I do love me some mixing this week too for the possible bounce back. Let's talk receivers. DP, you're up first. What pass catchers are you targeting in week nine? Uh, Brett touched on it a little bit earlier. Love Des Bryant this week. Uh, just without Zeke, you know, the, and the Chiefs are a bit suspect uh, with their pass defense. Um, you know, hopefully they filter some more of their offense through Des Bryant. Obviously, you are assuming some risk that the Cowboys don't pass more. Um, but you have to assume risk in these GPPs in order to have that upside. I mean, Des is, he's just an animal out there. The targets are, are there every week. Uh, you just need him to, to get in the end zone and go off. And hopefully that happens this week. He's 6,400. Uh, I like Michael Thomas at 7,200, um, in the, in the saints game, uh, last two games, he has 19 total targets, uh, 11 in week seven and eight in week eight. Um, he's been the leading re- receiver for the saints, uh, each of those two weeks. Um, but the DFS scores don't really ref- reflect it. Um, I mean, he's put up 15 points in each week, but it, you know, given where his price is at, it's not that huge, booming game. Uh, but this week against a Bucks defense and a Bucks secondary that is bad by all accounts, uh, I can see him finding the end zone at least once, maybe twice, hitting 100 yards, uh, receiving, having a ton of targets. I think that uh, he's a great play. And also in that game, I like Ted Ginn Jr. Uh, I mean, I kind of hate Ted Ginn Jr., but I like Ted Ginn Jr. as well. Um, 5,000. I mean, he's just, he's fun in this offense. We Brett's talked about it before on the podcast. Uh, you know, he causes a ton of problems, uh, you know, whether it's running jet sweeps, whether it's dink and dunk stuff over the middle that he can break long, whether it's just going, uh, for the deep ball, uh, Ted King can get it done. And if he gets the ball in his hands, uh, with space ahead of him, I mean, look out. So, and against a defense that has a lot of issues right now and just doesn't seem to be able to put it together. Uh, someone like Ted Ginn, who has that huge big big play potential, really like him uh, this week. Um, another one, Will Fuller. I think you're just going to have to eat the shock this week. I mean, come on. The guy has seven touchdowns in four games. Pay the $7,000. Get some Will Fuller in your lineups and go with it. And then lastly, Doug Baldwin, 6,900. I think after last week, uh, Doug Baldwin, he had 10 targets, but all the love went to Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett. Doug Baldwin is still the guy in that offense. Um, I expect him to, you know, return to fantasy prominence at least uh, this week in that offense, and and you know, stuff to go away from the huge outburst that that Richardson and Lockett have, um, which I think people might be looking to roster more because they're just cheaper value. Um, but Doug Baldwin's the guy, so I'm going to take some of him as well this week. Brett, sounds like you might have some bargains here as well. What you got? Well, yeah, but first, don't play Will Fuller. <laughs> Why are you paying $7,000 for Will Fuller? Are you going to I'm get... Paying, I'm paying $7,000 for two touchdowns. It's like a guarantee. That's yeah, not... because that's sustainable, right? It's not a guarantee. Guys, 13 receptions this season and seven touchdowns. Is is there any credit to the idea that he'll have reduced ownership because of the massive price tag? I mean, yeah, it should be pretty low. But this is a guy who started the year at 3800 and he's at $7,000 right now. Yeah, no more buying. You can't tell, talk about buying low anymore, DP. I, I'm not talking about buying low. I'm talking about eating some fucking chalk with Will Fuller and putting him in some lineups. <laughs> All right, Bert, you're up. <laughs> he's saving salary with Jonathan Stewart to pay up for Will Fuller. <laughs> I can't wait to see some of this. Yeah, you're not getting any 2% shares in my (laughs) fantasy manager. Staying in the Jonathan Stewart game, 
I like a guy who is also very cheap in this spot. That is Curtis Samuel, as Rich mentioned. Right now we're kind of guessing where the targets are going to be redistributed in Carolina now that Calvin Benjamin's gone. Uh, Will Funches get more looks? McCaffrey, Dixon, Russell Shepard's been on the field a lot more. But I've been seeing and hearing that the Panthers are trying to get more speed on the field, which points to Curtis Samuel seeing more snaps uh, the rest of the way. And if he does, this is a great spot at his price, uh, 3100 Now, this is GPP only because he's just not a guy that's going to scoop up targets, but he does have the big playability in a receiver you're punting on at this price. I'm going to have quite a bit of Curtis Samuel just to uh, sprinkle into lineups this week. I mentioned Dez and Evans earlier. I like both of those guys a lot. Dez might be on 90% of my teams this week. And then uh, Donnie mentioned Doug Baldwin. I think this is a good spot for Baldwin at 6,900. The only receiver who did not have a big day for the Hawks last week, despite seeing 10 targets. Uh, Baldwin has 22 targets over the last two games. He's getting so many looks. Uh, So the usage is there. He probably will be semi-popular. I can see a lot of people trying to get in on the bounce back spot this week against Washington. But I think he's perfectly fine in cash games and GPPs. Uh, GPPs if you want to pivot off some of the higher price wide receivers this week. Jeremy Macklin is free at 4,000. Did score a touchdown last week. Tennessee 23rd in pass defense DVOA. I don't think people are going to be rushing to their browser to click on a Baltimore Ravens receiver just not a sexy offense to have any exposure in. But Macklin is so cheap, and he's really the only warm body running routes for Baltimore. The other guy I'm interested in, and this is just total punt. This is punt formation. This is Ray Guy, Hall of Fame punt worthy. Tante Moncrief's 3,200, and he didn't do anything last week. He hasn't done anything this season, but he's still on the field. He was on the field for 76%. Of the offensive snaps, he's only run 30 fewer routes this season than T.Y. Hilton, uh, 261, which is a healthy number of routes. So we talked about Brissett's affinity for Jack Doyle. Obviously, T.Y. Hilton at his price is a great value as well. But at 3200 for the talent, I don't know how you can not click on Moncrief in some situations, especially in a spot where they're such massive dogs against a bad defense. Is he talented, though? I've been kind of on the the side that he's not very good, but there are a lot of smart people out there who think Moncrief is a really talented receiver. Like, I think he's fine. I, I'm not going to put him in top 30 receiver talent in the league category, but I think he's certainly a guy who can be like your 10-year journeyman and put together a couple 1,700-yard seasons. I, I don't think he's a dumpster fire, which he's been this season. He's been an absolute dumpster fire in terms of fantasy. I don't know. Maybe it, It's just so weird that he can be on the field so frequently, run so many routes, and then it's not even like he's not catching passes. He's not even being targeted. Yeah, he had one target, had one target last, last week. week. He's probably not trying. What? There you go. <laughs> Kenny Britt disease. Uh, you need to check his check his heart. Like, how did they score thirty points and he gets one target? I'm telling you, we need a chest X-ray. <laughs> Get the EKG machine out there. Uh, and those are the two plays that I had that stand out. Uh, love the Des Bryant call, and yeah, Doug Baldwin as well was the guy I wrote down. P. Rich is a player I love. I mean, I dra- I've talked about this nonstop, but I drafted the dude in fantasy. Then he suffered multiple leg injuries, unfortunately. But he was super explosive at Colorado, a lot of speed. And, uh, yeah, he had a massive game last week, so it's a good spot to get Doug Baldwin because he's still the wide receiver one in that offense. Patriots on a bye this week, so no very important question that we have to ask but I'll go to DP first, tight end. Where are you going this week? You know I love my tight ends. I wrote down four, so bear with me. Uh, Zach Ertz, 6,800. I just think that that guy is an absolute freak of nature, so I'm going to have some Zach Ertz, and I'm going to pay up for it. Delaney Walker, uh, back this week, playing our favorite team, one of our favorite teams to play against with tight ends, is the Baltimore Ravens, uh, 4,900 for Delaney Walker. Um, he has been a little bit banged up, so I would monitor that a little bit, but all signs look to that he's going to be playing. 
Uh, the Ravens against tight end position are just absolutely horrible. Uh, Tyler Croft, 3,900. Uh, targets are there for Croft. Uh, I think he's getting around five or six targets uh, a week. Um, he can get in the end zone. He's shown that he has three touchdowns on the year. He seems like a nice little safety blanket for Andy Dalton. And where that Jacksonville defense is going to, I mean, at least in in, in my eyes, just shut down at the outside receivers uh, for the Bengals. I think that Dalton, if he's going to throw, he's going to have to look over the middle of the field to his big target in Tyler Croft. I think 3900 is a great price point here. And then another favorite of our teams to go against is the New York Giants and Tyler Higbee, uh, 2800 I mean, that price is absolutely free. Um, Goff seems to like Tyler Higbee. Tyler Higbee is a decent tight end, very low price going against a really bad team in the Giants who just seemingly never cover tight ends week in and week out. Uh, you know, McVay has has the Rams throwing the ball all over the field. I expect a good amount of targets to go uh, to Tyler Higby uh, down the center of the field. Hopefully he can pull off some big chunk plays and then hopefully also get in the end zone here and meet some value. I see a lot of upside here uh, for Tyler Higby at just 2,800. Brett, two of our favorites to target there, Ravens and Giants. Unfortunately, the Browns are on a bye. <laughs> Are you doing the same? Are you targeting our favorites, playing the hits, or are there any other tight ends you're looking towards? I think Higby's okay in GPPs. Uh, the volume isn't great, but he's so cheap that I think you know it could be worth a punt uh, in a tournament. But, I mean, I'm definitely paying down this week. I, I If I'm not paying up for Kelsey, I think I'm going to roll with a lot of Ben Watson. He's only 2700 Against a bad Titans defense that ranks 23rd against the pass, 23rd against tight ends, according to DVOA. Watson has been seeing between four and eight targets in five straight weeks. He's had eight targets twice this season. So on a site like DraftKings, where you get one point per reception, I don't see any reason why he's virtually min-priced. This is great salary relief uh, at tight end. And even if you want to throw him at like a flex, I don't mind a two tight end with with Watson and like a Kelsey this week. I think this is amazing value for Ben Watson. In Baltimore, they've really started to catch you off there. The, going back to, I, I think this feels like the last two or three years, they just love targeting the tight end position, even though it's a revolving door of guys that eventually get hurt, whether it be Dennis Pitta or any of those guys, they eventually <laughs> die, but they still love targeting, targeting their backs and tight ends. So Ben Watson's going to slot right in. Continue what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with everything there. I, I think yeah, Watson's gonna he's gonna see five plus targets every single week. So I I just don't know what this price is. Um, so I I think he's playable in cash games as well, and I think Ed Dixon is okay at thirty one hundred for the same reasons as I mentioned before. Uh, before with Curtis Samuel, uh, there's more targets to go around in this Panthers offense, and Dixon has shown that he uh, he can scoop up some usage. In this offense, he had that one massive game. We're not going to see that again, obviously. But I think he he will see an uptick in looks now that Kelvin Benjamin is gone since they played the same position. Is that is Ed Dixon going to play wide receiver now? Is he going to replace Benjamin at wide receiver? That's a possibility as well. He's got the same frame. He's certainly one of the monsters. <laughs> he is a monster. <laughs> not out of the realm of possibilities. I'm interested in Delaney Walker as well. Just a plus matchup there against a defense that struggles against the tight end in Baltimore. And can we avoid Zach Ertz? <laughs> you know, can we? This is a dream matchup. Denver, classic funnel defense, great cornerbacks. And Ertz just keeps killing it. it uh, among Ertz and Kelsey, who's going to have higher ownership on Sunday, Brett? Do you have the labs or do you have your own projections for that matchup Kelsey versus Ertz who has more ownership and is it a is it a discernible amount or is it that just neck and neck uh we've got Kelsey at 13 to 16 percent and Ertz at five to eight oh my god push all the chips in all in can oh, I, everyone's all in can I'm some, all in can somebody yeah, that seems crazy can, to me anybody out there give me a loan I don't care what the the interest rate is. I'll sign the paperwork. I'll give you my social security number. Man, I, love, I love some some Ertz and Delaney Walker, two tight end yeah. lineups. 
the thing with Ertz is his ownership really hasn't been that high all season because people are just afraid to pay up. But that dude just – he scored a touchdown in four straight. He's got seven touchdowns, I think, in his last six games. And Denver. Oh, so he's like the Will Fuller of tight ends. <laughs> yeah, except wow, he actually, so crazy. He actually gets, he gets targets, though. He gets though. 10 that's targets the a game, there. yeah. And, and he's two hundred dollars cheaper than Will Fuller. Man, that was the same price. Oh, that's weird. You're such an idiot. <laughs> Denver is horrible against tight ends. Twenty seventh in DVOA. Guys, I, I can't say it enough. They are they funnel everything towards the middle of the field because they defend the outside. And Zach Ertz is a target monster down the seam. The Broncos have no answer for the inside seam route. They, All right, fine. You guys sold me. I'm, I'm paying up for Zach Ertz this week. They, they, they have no answer for Zach. Like, like Zach Ertz for 200 is within the realm of possibilities. Like That is not a crazy thing. Because they have no one. Unless they allocate uh, like Roby on the inside, which they don't do, they're going to get torched by Zach Ertz. I'm looking at some of these other pass funnel defenses that the Eagles have played over the past year. The Cardinals... Ertz got 12 targets. The Cowboys, Ertz got 16 targets. The Redskins, Ertz got 13 targets. Like he, oh, The only route I've ever seen this dude run is that out and in seam route. And he's wide open every single time. So get some Zach Ertz in your life. Defense and special teams, and then we're out of here. Burt Minotti, you get to lead us off. Who's going to get some picks, some fumbles, maybe even a touchdown on Sunday? Well, since I'm paying down at a lot of spots this week, I'm going to have a lot of Jacksonville uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals. Just just give me this defense. They, they should be 4,500 against the Bungles. According to Pro Football Focus, this is the biggest mismatch in the trenches. That's what I'm looking for when I'm picking a defense every week. And I don't care that I have to pay up. I think this, this Jags D could score 20 points this week against Cincinnati, which – I mean, we've talked about them a bunch this season, how bad this offensive line is. Uh, the Colts looked <laughs> – they were able to to, uh, to just they, – well, they, they were able to get to Andy Dalton quite a bit last week. So, I mean, that kept them in the game. So, yeah, I'm all over the Jaguars this week. And they just added Marcel Darius. That dude is an absolute monster in the middle. And I think now that he's reunited with Doug Marone, there's going to be some added motivation there for him to to get back involved and dominate like he did a couple of years ago. So uh, it, it's pretty much all Jacksonville for me this week. I love looking at that fantasy points per game column. <laughs> How sick are they? I, I tried to tell y'all. Tried telling y'all at the beginning of the season that this defense is going to be a problem. DP, who you got at defense? I also like Jacksonville. I think I'm going to be able to pay up as well, uh, just given my, my cold stack that I let off with. Uh, I also like the Rams here. Uh, they're playing against the Giants. It's on the road, but they're coming off a bye. And if you want, you can pair the Rams, who are 3,100, with Todd Gurley at 8,100 and have a nice correlation play there. Uh, third one, my last one. Uh, like the New Orleans Saints this week, 3,400. Uh, they're at home. They're against Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston is the king of head scratchers right now. Um, and he's likely to be in negative game scripts. So you could see a lot of really crazy throws, really wild throws for Jameis that result in turnovers. And New Orleans has shown this year that they do have the ability to turn those turnovers into uh, points on defense. Uh, they've had a couple games where they've really, really gone off on the defensive side of the ball uh, in terms of scoring on DraftKings. So I like some New Orleans Saints uh, defense here at 3,400. And you also get the, the added benefit if Ted Ginn is in the return game. Um, that that guy can break one, so uh, you get a little bit of a, a you know cherry on top if that happens. But hey, it's in play. Yeah, where I am not playing Doug Martin or any of the Bucks pass catchers, I like the Saints defense. Think they're for real. Uh, I think Lattimore legitimately might be the best corner in the league already, and Jameis throws the absolute head scratcher on several occasions, so certainly a good spot to get a New Orleans defense that people are still referring to as a plus matchup for offenses. They're just flippantly, and I get it, we've seen it, them be so poor for so long, like half a decade, so I get, I understand just flippantly expecting them to be bad, but they're certainly not. They are a top 10 unit in the league. And then, you like the Rams, I kind of like the Giants, <laughs> Coming off the bye, both teams coming off the bye, playing at home, defense playing for all the pride. I still believe in the unit 
a little bit. And Jared Goff is, while better than last year, still not perfect. And he's going West Coast to East Coast. I get why you're on the other side, because Eli, Eli does Eli things. But I think Jared Goff could make some mistakes as well. And I don't think anybody's going to click Giants with that red third in the opponent ranked column. So might get some sacks and picks from the G-men. I forgot to mention my punt play. <clears throat> I kind of like go. the 49ers against Drew Stanton. Uh, a stack with Hyde and the 49ers D I think is fine, given what we've seen out of Drew Stanton. This dude is horrendous. I think I mentioned in the – I mentioned on one of the shows last week that Stanton had a 39% completion percentage whoa. last year. Yeah, I ju- whoa. whoa, I just pulled this up because <laughs> that's what yeah. I was looking for. That like this dude is so bad. What? What? Didn't Stan have like point one last week? What was it? Some crazy number, and I was like, did he play? What the hell happened? He uh he got in against the Rams, and he threw fourteen passes and completed five of them. <laughs> Was it him or Skelton that played in the playoffs game against uh, the Cardin- the the Panthers? I think it was Skelton. Yeah, I'm not. I think it was Skelton. No. But Stanton played a lot of games in 2014 and was a train wreck. Yes, 55 percent completion percentage, which is still horrifyingly bad. The guy is a career 52.7. So that's always a good sign when you want to target a backup quarterback. The anything sub sixty is totally incompetent. So good target there in Stanton. Good pump play. Those are our DraftKings selections. You can follow these guys on Twitter at Brett Colson, C O L S O N, and at Donnie underscore Peters. Remember, if you want a share of Donnie's Millie Maker ticket, to tweet using our handle at Gridiron Gamble, the hashtag Donnie's Pizza Party. And, of course, link to one of our shows or our general channel on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you listen to or wherever you want to direct people to listen to. Hope you guys enjoy the football this evening. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace. Out. Out.